can you talk about it? I don't, how the fuck? I've never played you Star could have Ocean. Just said, speaking of JRPGs, nah, yeah, that's, that's, that's so much that's, easier. That's, that's <laughs> the, <laughs> speaking of those games made in Japan, <laughs> <laughs> that, that joke was like a drop in the ocean. Jordan. Speaking of oceans. Welcome to the Well Played DLC podcast. I am your host, Adam Ryan, joined by Nathan Hennessy. Welcome back. Jordan Garcia. Hello, hello. James Wood. Howdy. Mark Isaacson. Holy shit, I'm alive. And, <laughs> and Mr. Ash Whaling. Excuse me, the I'm alive thing is probably my deal at this point. Coming That's fresh out of COVID. Here that I is am. also true. Yeah, no, fair. You can uh, you can fight over that in off topics, boys. Hold hold your hold your fists until then. Yeah, hold your that dying horses. The yeah. Hold your, <laughs> yeah. Uh, you'll notice that our lactose leader is off for one more week. He will be back next week, though, mainly because I'm gonna run out of dairy based alliterative puns, and no one wants that. Uh, but you're stuck with me for one more week. But lads, the the week that has been since I we last spoke, how's it been, Nathan? What have you been up to, mate? Mm, so much. This is the probably one of the busiest times at work, working logistics, obviously, just before the Christmas time, and we've got so many games on the go as we prepare for our own, I guess, game of the year discussions around the corner, so we've got to make sure we're all caught up, caught up on the hotness amongst all this chaos. No, it's a great time. Great time. It's a stressful time with game of the year coming up because you don't want to be the guy that didn't play X game or... Y game that people are talking about, or you do your game of the year list and someone goes, how the fuck did you not play that? Like with uh, the Artful Escape and Zach from last year or the year before or whatever, he was like, oh, that should have been on your list. And I just hadn't played it. So <laughs> you need to cram, you need to cram some, uh, some playing in there. You just got to, the end you of just got to bully it's people just... into playing it. Just do what I do and just tell everybody, Hey, have you played, uh, have you played Mortal Kombat Death, 11? Mortal Kombat 12? No, Death's Door. Play it. If you haven't played it, you're a yes. fool. Yes. Uh, you know. Thank you. An absolute time. I'm too merciful to try that with Pentiment, so I'll let people off easy this year. That's a, it's a, yeah, it's a tough sell, in fairness. Do you want to do it with uh, Babylon's Fall instead, then? Don't you dare Ooh. say that name again. <laughs> <laughs> while, you've, uh, while you've piped up there, Jordan, what have you been up to this week, mate? Uh, I've been playing the one game for pretty much since it released, outside of that work. And uh, yeah, I can talk good. about that game later. Wonderful. Mr. Whaling and your Transformers, what have you been up to? Hello. Uh, me, what have I been up to? Well, I'll tell you what, I've actually gone back to the well. I've been reviewing a lot of games this month, but when I'm not reviewing games, I went back to Sonic Frontiers. <laughs> yeah. I was just thinking about going back to Sonic Frontiers myself. So I, It says a lot when I sat down and I was like, hey, all of my review deadlines are done and submitted. I can just do whatever. And I had God of War Ragnarok sitting right there. And don't get me wrong, I've got a healthy portion of it under my belt. But the thing I booted up was Sonic Frontiers. And I, I'm not even going to be ashamed of that. I think that's, it's just something I went in there and thought, you know what, this looks like an easy platinum and I want to get back in the world. So I'm going to do it. I remember we were having a discussion earlier, or late last week, I suppose, about Sonic Frontiers. And 
I didn't really look into it. I'm not a Sonic guy, so it doesn't really interest me that much. You were talking about the you were talking about the combat, and I was like, that sounds really weird for a Sonic game. And you sent me two <laughs> clips of the combat in that game, and I was like, what the fuck is this hedgehog about? Yeah. Where does this DMC shit come from? So. That video with a guy does like a 600 hit combo and does every single move that you can unlock in the game. And this poor enemy died like 10 minutes ago, but Sonic is still just going. Bra, da, 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 da. <laughs> and I was like, that's, that's the game. See, yeah, that it's safe to say I was surprised. <laughs> yeah, it, it definitely looked better than I was expecting. That's for sure. But because it didn't look like Sonic. Literal anime. James, have you gone back to Sonic this week? Uh, just been I thinking about it. No, I have, I've only been thinking about it. I have just been gorging myself on Game of the Year contenders. Mm-hmm. Um, so I am on Pentiment, uh, Norco, yes. um, Citizen Sleeper, and I feel like there's something else that I picked up as well, and I can't even remember at this point. Because <laughs> Can we address the just... elephant in the room? Was that someone moving a yeah. chair, or was it a deep, thunderous fart? <laughs> <laughs> I'm hoping it's the latter. Okay. A, a chair was being moved. Uh, okay. so, sorry <laughs> to say. Sorry to spoil that one. All good. All good. No, no, you're fine. Um, so, yeah, I, I've just been bouncing around as much as I possibly can to try to get some things done before we, we have the big the big chat. Is that something um, that you commonly do? You quickly, it's like cramming no. before an exam. Uh, yeah, I I typically don't do this. And I always feel like I'm out of the loop on certain conversations. So I feel like this year in particular, it's been like a banger year for narrative games. I wanted to make sure that I was across them as much as I possibly could be. So naturally, I've also been like cramming in a fuckload of um, God of War, which is really monopolizing my time at this point. And it's getting a bit, you know, <laughs> a bit long in the tooth, let's say. Um, but uh, yeah. Like that series needs to give you more ammunition. Well, I mean, look, I did kind of think that. Like when we opened up on like another side quest for a stupid item, I was like, of course, of course. Why not? Why not God of War? <laughs> Good. And Mark, we haven't heard from you for a little while. What have yeah. you been up to? Tell us tell us what you got going on. Uh, a little bit of everything, really. Uh, a lot of the stuff you guys are going to be talking about today, I believe, I've, I've played a little bit, so I'll hold off and talk about those. Um, obviously, I have played God of War uh, and enjoying it. Uh, I will say, well, I, I mentioned before we started recording, the first two hours of Ragnarok, I reckon, are the two best hours I've played all year. It was fantastic. Um I uh, I also <laughs> I also got duped uh, or or uh, asked to play the new Bratz game. What? Fuck yeah. was it? Uh, <laughs> for a day, it was a day, and I I, I, oh. I was like, you know what? Fuck it, I'll do it. I'll play it. Uh, no regrets. And you fell in love. Yeah. No good. regrets at all. Brilliant game. Love it. Ten out of ten. You can't so hear the sarcasm in my voice at all. <laughs> I I regret paying for it on the PlayStation Store is what I'm going to say. I know, is this someone oh, awesome. then, you sh- then you should have bought it on Xbox. Is, is this someone off camera holding a gun? You can blink twice <laughs> no. if you need help. <laughs> no, no. no I was, I was just joking was with, just friend, with the guys at work because obviously I, I work at retail so I work in selling games and we're doing the Black Friday this week and we're all going mad. But uh, we got the game in store and all the girls were like, oh, it's going to be great. I'm like, what? What, what even is Bratz? I don't even know what it is. So they dare me to play it. So here we are. Game of the year. That's what it is. Yeah. <laughs> is this the, the Bratz game where you run like a fashion empire or something like that? Sort of, I believe. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's sort of like that. 
Interesting. Yeah. I almost put it onto my jorts actually um, at the time. <laughs> I, I, I didn't you know. You should have. You're missing out on gold, man. Yeah. Yeah, because it well, came out last month, didn't it? Or was it, was it like last month? Two, three Recent. weeks ago, I think. Yeah. 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 I like that you committed to it enough to get it digitally. Yeah. Not even return it. When you like, oh you have the option to buy it from your work and most likely return it. I know. I, love, I, I, I love didn't that want to. I didn't want to just buy it and then go. Ah, oh, I played it and then return it two days later. I actually wanted to play it. <laughs> I, but for some reason, I in my head, I was like, "Digital, the jerk. great." Yeah. I wish Adam had That's that kind brilliant. of enthusiasm towards Bloodborne. <laughs> oh fuck yourself, Nathan. Let's get into the games. Jesus, we've got a lot to talk about, so we'll dive. We'll dive into it. No more preamble, no more bashing me for games that I haven't played. Ash. <laughs> Hello. I want to hear your thoughts on Evil West. Give them to me. Absolutely. Uh, it's fun being able to use cowboy puns. Say that much. <laughs> oh, no. There's plenty of uh, plenty of weapons that involve, you know, shooting things. I could give you the most bare bones, terrible review of it all, but at the same time, it's more fun just to use a bunch of alliteration. I think you actually said your favorite part of my video is the amount of alliterative terms I was using. Yeah, it's like two sentences couldn't go by without no way. Talk about Loved it. Villainous vampires and sanguine snobs and boot scooting badassery. It was just, I said, look, the game's fun, so I'm having fun writing it as well. So, yeah, no, it's a. Let's just get it out of the way. Nine out of ten, boys. Nine out of ten. Old school combat charm. Big, crunchy, weighty, meaty blasting of baddies. And um, something I didn't actually go over in my review that I wish I did was also just some of the locations in the game are quite fun. I've been actually looking at some of the other reviews uh, and a lot of people brought attention to stuff that I wish I did. And that's just that, you know, you get to kill monsters in cool places. But the bottom line is, look, Evil West, it is Buffy the Vampire Slayer by way of Wild Wild West, okay? No, Will Smith isn't in the game. I think that's a crime. Instead, you've got Jesse Rentier who, I mean, you know, He's, he's fine, but he's not. He's no, you know, wiki-wa-wa, Jim West, Desperado kind of guy. It's not the Fresh Prince. But uh, it'll do in a pinch. So, Tesla Punk Cowboy Vampire Hunting Simulator is the title they could have used if it wasn't for the marketing team saying we should make it shorter. So you're saying that's what they would have used if uh, Randy Pitchford was marketing it? <laughs> Probably, <laughs> if, he, if he really want to nail home the wacky nature of it all. But yeah, no... Tesla Punk Vampire Slaying Cowboy Simulator. Just uh, the only the only disappointing part is you don't really get to ride a horse. That would have been great, but you know it's it's hard, I guess. Yeah, would, if you could have chosen, would it have been an actual horse or like a steampunk mechanical it, horse? Oh, mate, it would have been a steampunk horse, and it probably would have like turned into a cannon when you got off it, and you would have shot it as well. Just it's the kind of thing that you'd expect to see in the game. Um. I think it's just a really good all-round classic example of just when you want to have fun. Like, it's... I cannot stress enough just how fun it is punching things really fucking hard. Like, Jesse has a revolver, but his other arm is quite literally a massive, transforming, Tesla-powered fist that folds out a knuckle duster that's probably as wide as his chest. And when you hit people with it, it sounds like... I don't know, like... It's hard to like take a mag light and probably like tenderize a steak with it. It's that kind of metallic thunk and wet splatter. <laughs> it's ah. Oh. So long story short, I was overwhelmed that I got to make a video about it because it meant I got to go and replay all my favorite sections in New Game Plus where I had all my toys and I could just 
basically face roll on the keyboard like I was playing a mad, you know, piano solo, but it's just me whipping out eight different guns and a flamethrower and then turning into lightning and blowing people up and just good time, really good time. I'd love to talk to you about the subtle, you know, interesting plot threads that redefines life, love and everything in between, but it's not about that. It's about wet splattering, maglite hitting, vampire splattering goodness. Yeah, I've played maybe an hour and a half or two hours of of Evil West so far, and it's refreshingly basic. Like, it very much is that PS2 action game that there's no skill, like, massive skill trees or, like, uh, RPG elements or anything like that. You just, it's very linear. It's very action-based. There's, like, you drop into an arena that you know there's going to be a boss in. (laughs) You fight the boss. But it's... I have to say... yeah, that's one of my favorite things is that like the game is it's so old school PS2 that it does that classic thing where sort of you see a big open area and before you step into it, there's like a power up there sitting just on a box and yeah. you walk up and you pick it up and it's like, oh, you've got double health and you're like, oh, yeah, I know what happens next. Yeah, yeah, it, like it's <laughs> lots of cliches and lots of uh, expected action, but it's just it's very fun. It is yeah. very fun. And yeah, the, the combat's fantastic, too. It straight from the the off when they're introducing the like the the melee and the different ranged weapons yeah it's an absolute blast mm. and that, Nathan my- I know that you've downloaded it oh, have good. you tickled it yet yeah so I've played through the opening tutorial mission and let's say half of that the first mission then following that so I was surprised that you spend most of the tutorial just barefisted I was like where's this game going but then pretty soon after that gives you a revolver and then a rifle and then you start to realise that it's... Like, I, I could see why Ash loves it because it felt very much to me like... Kind of like what Darksiders was to God of War. Like <laughs> It is. That's a good way of putting it, actually. Because you're going to be punching through treasure chests just the same way as Kratos does. Oh. You're just moving kind of from pretty corridor to combat arena. I, I actually clearly have a list of games where the protagonist refuses to open either doors or chests in an appropriate <laughs> normal way. And yeah. this is on the list of another person who has to punch open chests. Yeah. My favorite thing is hearing you- well, the fact that you said you've only played for about an hour and a half, Adam, just just has me smiling because I just know that it gets wilder and wilder. The game just keeps drip feeding you ridiculous things. And every time you think you've topped something, it just goes, nah, here's something else that's completely absurd. And you're like, what is happening? This should okay, be I look forward illegal. To I, I have questions because I'm going to be the question guy in this podcast because I don't really have much else to talk about. So I've got Shoot, my boy. First question. It's very expensive to buy. Do you think it's is worth it? the... It is. It's like $89 GB, 99 EB for some reason. I've seen it cheaper than that. I'm pretty sure I saw it for 69 somewhere or 59. Steam. Yeah, I, I think did just is it 59 on Steam? 69 on Steam. 69. Is it 69? 69, 70 dollars. I think it's a wild time. To be honest, the big thing for me was that the game itself isn't stupidly long. It's not a 40 hour cinematic epic. It's more like a 15 hour ball busting good time. And then when you finish the game, it immediately says, "Okay, you're done. New game plus." And you're like, oh my god, yes. Because every ridiculous tool you end the game with, you're like, oh god, that was fun. And then you think about the poor schmucks at the start of the game, and you're about to rock up with this ridiculous arsenal dripping off your body. And you're like, okay, yeah, I'll get into it. So the other thing I really would push is that uh, co-op. 
my biggest regret is I didn't get to play in co-op. I didn't get to review the co-op. I didn't get to say whether the co-op was that, but I've seen how it works and I think that's what I need in my life. Yeah, I was curious about it as well. The other question I had though was, uh, since Lactose Man isn't here, is this Order 1886 meets Bulletstorm? Is that a fair assessment, you reckon? <laughs> it's That's pretty close. So as far as Order, the Order goes, yeah, it's got that same sort of fantastical, cool, um, like I keep calling it Tesla Punk because it's not quite Yeah, the Tesla Punk. Replica it's, is what I thought of, yeah. Tesla Punk kind of like ridiculous, you know, the, the whole way through the game. The, the, the vampires are complaining, oh, the human beings have mastered lightning. And it's like, I suck shit, idiots. Like, <laughs> <laughs> you can turn into a bat and stuff, but I don't care. I'm going to punch you with lightning. But um, I will say, it's funny that you mentioned Bulletstorm. One of the one of the negative points that I had in my review that I ended up removing. So here you go, guys, who will listen to the podcast. This is some top secret quality content you wouldn't get when reading the website. I had a small blurb talking about how my only regret is that the combat doesn't actually have some kind of score or modifier that encourages you to just do as many different things as possible because that would be epic. Can you see that being something they add further down the line? If they they could probably like release like a balls to the wall mode where like because the game's based around kill arenas, it could be like kill everyone in this arena and get a score of 10,000 or more. And they could pull it off. It would work. It's the kind of combat system that that would work use different abilities in different ways combo things have fun be ridiculous it, it would be great i don't know i don't know what their dlc structure looks like i don't even know if there's going to be anything but if you can pick this up for like 60 70 bucks i don't think you'll have a bad time unless you are violently allergic to cowboys and your mother ran away with a cowpoke when you were a kid and you just do not like the root and tune boys then you might not like it i don't recall that so i think we're safe I gotta say, I love how like non-committal that answer uh, that quote is. I don't think you'll have a bad time. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you could. You put, they'll they'll be quick to put that on the box. I have absolutely no <laughs> doubt. Have a bad time. I ch- now, challenge you. <laughs> Evil West is all about killing vampires, but what if you were to befriend one and take on the forces of hell, Nathan? You would probably know a little bit about that. You've played some Midnight Suns. Oh, that's where you're going. <laughs> it was a, it was, it was a stretch, was, and I'll tell stretch. you what, Star Ocean is on this list, and I'm not happy about that. Uh, can, can you tell us about uh, your time with Midnight Suns so far? You've got a preview for us. Ooh, yeah, look, so I'll certainly try. So Midnight Suns, I just want to deal with initial expectations. This is coming from the studio or the folks that have done like the XCOM games. So coming into this game, I was kind of thinking, all right, so we've got the, we've got a Marvel ensemble here of superheroes that have or can have some capacity to fight supernatural forces. They're going to go under the gang name of Midnight Suns, and it's going to have like the t- yeah, it's going to have the tactical overplay of an XCOM game but that's kind of a veneer this is a really just a cards game through and through so every hero in this game is just a flavored deck of cards and admittedly they are somewhat consistent uh like uh, i think it's nico i think her name is from the runaways is like a sorcerer who any any spell that they cast has the potential to have a secondary effect that could be negative or positive uh, it's in line somewhat with her comic book uh, persona or abilities 
Um, so every card in that deck is going to have this massive random element to each of the cards, and that's her very unpredictable character. And then there'll be another character deck like... Um, what would be a good example? I don't know. Uh, but the biggest <laughs> issue... I, <laughs> I'm still trying to understand what this game is because I didn't understand that this was really just a very plain card game with a lot of... puts you and I in the same position. I love Marvel stuff and I'm still yeah. looking at this game and trying to understand it. Mate, I've put almost 10 hours into this game and it's a mishmash of a lot of different popular uh gimmicks in recent games and one that you may have heard of now because there's a little bit of preview coverage out is there is a whole like fire emblem three houses dating component in it like relationships component now i'm interested in the game keep going <laughs> yeah you this is no what? you shouldn't be this is where the game gets really fucking bad in my opinion so some of the content is locked behind having to have conversations as you're moving around this little hub location so outside of missions, you get full third-person control in a hub location called the Abbey. It's this third dimension or pocket dimension uh, near Salem. And you'll be able to... It's effectively a glorified menu. So whereas in XCOM, between missions, you could customize your base of operations. Well, here, the base of operations is no longer a menu. It's actually a base that you must navigate. The issue here is they haven't introduced proper fast traveling. So if you want to go from one menu to the other, you've got to go and fucking hike across this third dimension, like this pocket dimension, which is not particularly small. It's uh, surprisingly large for how little there is in it. And it really is, you, you'll go from one end of this location to open what is effectively a booster pack, like th uh, three cards and you will choose one that will go into your decks. Uh, in that, in the seven to 10 hours I've played, I think I've only unlocked, I think three new cards and the game is giving you like one booster pack per mission. So I've found that I don't have much of an idea of what the game is beyond its introduction because I haven't actually been able to play with much in that time. Um, I found what kind of, what kind of uh, avenue is your is your preview? Is it like just a slice of gameplay from? Later no, the it's game? the full game. Um, it's, oh, it's all and there's a lot that concerns me about that. It seems like the game is very much holding your hand early on. You're just going from like one effective set piece story mission to the next, and the game is very hesitant to show you too much. So I've only got I think seven characters to choose from. So seven effectively seven themed decks of cards that are all going to have their own specialty. Uh, okay, I've got another good example. So, Bla uh, not Blade, sorry, Ghost Rider. He will open up pits of fire around the environment. So, this is where the sort of XCOM tactics almost shows its face. So, you might have another character that has knockback. Knockback's a very common ability. So, you can effectively knock someone around in the environment. You can push people into this hell pit that uh, Ghost Rider's cards are going to continually open up and manipulate. So, his is very much about like area manipulation, but relying on other characters to really deliver the final blows. So, that's all interesting, but I don't know what kind of scope there is with these cards because, as I said, for that first 10 hours, you're constantly opening like duplicates. You're expected to combine duplicates to create boosted versions of those cards, but you're not really... And, and you have to then also scrub the world to try and find currency to make those combinations. The thing that gives me great anxiety is this every part of this game feels like it's geared towards a like a, a microtransaction that's probably just on the horizon. There's loads of currency systems involved to get your decks anywhere near compatible or like competitive with the missions themselves because the missions have like ranks and if your decks aren't sufficiently like bolstered up, you're not going to do well in, you know, certain missions. 
because the game's expecting you to bring a certain arsenal to the party and you might just need to grind. So I'm already feeling like there's a bit of grind at play here because the game will just endlessly pump out like side missions for you repetitively. So I feel like the game's going to be expecting me to pump either a lot of time into these same like side missions which are just protect a location from uh, hordes of enemies or eradicate a bunch of enemies on a map. There's there's very little enemy variety so far this early in the game. Just a lot of um, Hydragoons with guns. They just do what Hydragoons with guns do and shoot you with bigger and bigger health bars. Um, but yeah, just, just quickly, I just want to wrap this up. So on the element that I really didn't like, the uh, relationships. When you're in the Abbey, all the characters will have like little bubbles above them. And you can interact and spend time with them just like you would in Persona or Fire Emblem. So you might get to choose to spend your afternoon with one character. That means you can't spend that afternoon with another character and the time moves forward. The next day rolls on. So you've got this kind of limited, allegedly limited time mechanic. Um, that's all being well and good. There's two issues here. One is it does lock content behind these conversations. So you may not be able to get certain like gear. And there's also a morality system that's introduced just arbitrarily. Like a, you can say one response and you know, you get a bad point or you say the other response and you get a good point. It's real like, you know, fable 2004 kind of shit. <laughs> the idea of like somewhere on the screen just pops up. Like Wolverine will remember that. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I wish it went that far. It, it really is just very basic, like kind of dressed up menu. Like, I don't feel like they're really trying to play this off for anything more than systems. Like, this is all just systems gunk. Um, because when I accrue enough of these points, it's not going to create any kind of moral quandary. There's going to be no consequence. Just all of a sudden, I'll unlock ability on the, you know, the Sith, Sith Lord track as opposed to the Jedi track or some <laughs> shit so, like so that, effectively. Like creepy, a sense. But the issue is the writing is fucking atrocious man it is some of the worst writing i've behold this year the voice acting is cut it's the voice acting's not so bad but they've not been given any direction so tony whoever's voicing tony stark's doing his robert downey best but he hasn't been given any direction with his lines so he's just reading out all of his lines in a monotone like this he's just trying to get them out as fast as he can because he's got thousands of these motherfuckers that he's gonna have to go through the entire game Therefore, every line he delivers has a joke or a pun or, you know, some smarmy little pithy comment, but he's not got any time for comedic timing because all the actors are just trying to force these lines out and you're, there is so much goddamn dialogue in this game, it's ridiculous. And you'll be expected to engage with it because the game's asking you to constantly be responding. So it does that thing that Bioware used to do, like old, old school Bioware, where you're not sure if you're actually responding with uh, clear responses or if you're just probing for more information the uh the the dialogue options are all muddled in together so you can just spend lots lots of time just uninterestingly clicking through all the responses on a dialogue tree just hoping that has it finished do i unlock the little point i need to get my little special skill now can i be done with this um every there's also hmm, a joke you can crack a joke in these conversations it'll say joke in bracket and uh i, I was sitting down with april and i said <laughs> I've, I've had my character, oh, by the way, I, I buried this one. You, you make your own player character. You have like six options to choose from. Oh. It comes down to faces and hair. It means nothing. It does nothing. So you got this player character to carry the events. You crack, I was, I was talking to Blade, I think, and it's like, joke. And my character just said something like, so how do you find the sunshine? Do you get sunburnt or something? Some Something like that with no comedic <laughs> delivery whatsoever. And I just sat there with April and I'm like, Half the time I can't tell if these so-called jokes are they're either trying or they're just making reference to something in the Marvel universe that I don't understand. Like it's like sometimes it's so nebulous and you can't tell if 
it's a glitch like if they're actually delivering what the joke line was or just some random bit of dialogue text because you won't there will be no punchline there'll be no setup uh the i think the joke is the option that you get to choose joke like it's a bit meta the joke is that there's a button highlighted joke and it's pushing that, to that's deploy exactly joke. that's what i mean i think that's the joke and the game's going fuck you every time you press it you know what it uh, sounds like it sounds like the uh, fallout 4 sarcasm button uh, maybe yeah look i but the thing is is i don't think the voice actors were ever given any directions to, to deliver a line sarcastically or sardonically like all the they all have a good you know like a voice that matches what you think the character would would need but they're just forcing these lines out on mass. There is so much dialogue here. So all in all, there is a tight card game at the heart of it, but there's so much added on top to make this a triple-A title that doesn't need to be there. It's just, it is bloat. And my issue is, as I'm almost 10 hours into the game, all my characters are like level three. From, from what I've read and seen, that's extremely low, but I'm actually where I should be in the story. This game drags out because you're made to do all this side stuff to keep things chugging along and just the pace of combat as well it's it's you got to sit through so many animations and they're so repetitive um i I don't know what this game's going to turn out to be because i i feel like i've seen nothing but i've also put a significant amount of time into it like i would expect to see a lot more by this time um you'll be hearing more of my thoughts i think next week what, over uh, the next hopefully. 30 hours as you slowly uncover yet nothing? <laughs> I don't know what this game is, what it's trying to be. I know that it's a card game that would have been perfect as a mobile game, I think, because you can, you know, the card moves might let you sort of tactically move around this semi-bare map that you'd do great with your fingers, but I don't understand what it's trying to be as a AAA product with all this extra shit on top. So, you know, we'll see. Before we move on, because it sounds shit, um, <laughs> because I don't give a fuck about getting an everything bagel with Captain Marvel, can you just ignore the like that side of the gameplay, or is it something that it forces you to do? I, I look, I th- I think that no. So you can absolutely ignore it, but to what costs? Because they they yeah, Adam content. That's Hulk being said, "You not spend it. time with him, Adam." <laughs> The game is constantly reminding you. So, like, you'll be walking to where you go to open up your booster packs and these characters will be like, Oi, I want to talk to you. And you won't even see them. Like, they'll just, it'll just come through the speakers. Like, oh, yeah, there's currently an audio bug where sound doesn't come through directionally. So, it'll, it'll like, blast your right ear when they're standing behind you or something. (laughs) And it will be, it'll have that context. Like, Oi, I'm here. Talk to me. And they're just fucking constantly doing that every time you're walking up and down these hallways. So, you know, you can ignore it. You can try to ignore it. There are benefits for sitting through it, but you just want to, you know, skip through as fast as you can. There are get, benefits get them goodies, for get sitting out. through it. Those are the words I want to hear in every game. you, you got to question why the studio that made XCOM weren't allowed to just make Marvel XCOM then. I don't know. Like, don't this know is why the they thing. They to do it this way then. Yeah, it's it's it's, it's an by approachability far. issue. Like, is XCOM too dense a mechanical thing to slap the Marvel sort of uh, branding on? Possibly. So. This I is would, very approachable for a Firaxis game. I, yeah. I wouldn't necessarily say that it's too dense. I would say there's probably some other thing going on in the background that was that would be the reason. I'd say why it's that. too dense. I can't play that game worth a shit. I played <laughs> five minutes. All my people died, and I was like, "Fuck this," and moved on. Yeah, but that just sounds like a new problem. <laughs> 
I'm dense. The dense issue is he doesn't mean density of the game. He means density of market. Oh, okay. Yeah, well, so yeah. the game, like, like they've, they've kept over portions of that. So if your character effectively dies in a combat scenario, you won't be able to use them for a couple of days. That's going to mean, you know, maybe a couple of missions and a couple of conversations with your goddamn allies. Um, but yeah, most of most of the depth of XCOM has been stripped back. You'll still expand your abbey with you know things that will help you research new tech trees and that. But it's really you're just pushing a few numbers up here and there, and it's kind of trying to give you the brain tickle, but it doesn't necessarily have the same payoff as so XCOM. Would you almost say it's going for approachability, but goes about it the wrong way? Uh, it's too early for me to say whether it's the wrong way, but it's definitely wanting to set itself apart from XCOM as being something all Marvel, you know, Marvel gamers can can get on board with. Marvel gamers. Marvel gamers should be its own brand now. Hey, I think people just want to romance Wolverine. You made it sound like you can okay. almost do that. Well, look, uh, I need to be real with you. When you say the right thing to Wolverine, a little love heart pops up with a plus one, <laughs> <laughs> and then it goes Wolverine like that. I'm not joking. <laughs> And if you say something he doesn't like, you're a little, a little love heart with a minus one. Oh, <laughs> the affinity. Like this, ga- this, oh, this game has so many like gamified novelties added to it that just don't really make sense. Just let me play the fucking cards. But the game wants you to drag through it because it makes it so much artificially longer. Everything is slow. But hey, maybe the more cards you collect, the more Marvel characters you, you tempt in. That's you the might hope. have a better time. It, it does look... The game is teasing a fairly sizable roster here. So if they're going to treat them like decks of cards, they're giving me more decks of cards to play with. And, you know, that can only be a good thing at this point. It looks promising. I have no idea, though, where we'll land on it. But, hey, yeah. If you're, if you're anything like Wolverine and you're you're catching the eye of all of these Marvel characters, well, here maybe goes. eventually... Eventually, don't ruin it. Don't ruin the segue. <laughs> Maybe you'll uh, catch the... Uh, you fucked it. <laughs> I, had, I had a no way better one. I would have been catch like, them all, Pokemon. I, I would have been like, speaking of decks, Pokédex. That's nah, quick. I'm not as subtle as that. Jordan, <laughs> you've been playing Pokemon Scarlet what do you and mean? I or have Violet? Been, I still am. Um, yeah, I've been playing Violet. Um, Tell us about Violet. it. So I went into this game with a cautious optimism because I do not like the previous generation of Pokemon. I think it's very shit. Um... Like, it's fine, but anything out of the very core experience is really shit because it's very focused on the competitive side and I don't care about comp. Um, So, I came into this, you know, cautious optimism was immediately met with two frames a second. Uh, (laughs) And I was like, wow, this is what the Switch can do, huh? Until I realized it wasn't the Switch's issue, it was the game's issue. Uh, Sorry, I was, I, was, I was really on board. I was like, I wonder how long it'll take before I mention something relating to the performance. And it's like the second sentence. <laughs> oh dear, oh my. That is such oh, yeah, a shame yeah. to hear. Oh. It, it is, because, um, you know, it, it, it's a Pokemon game, so it's nice to pop in, like a texture still as well. But uh, in terms of like a, a core experience, I don't think I've enjoyed a Pokemon game as much as this since the original black and white games. It is There's just, there's a lot of meat here, uh, a lot of uh, simplification of systems and access to easier items. So one of the more nuanced systems in Pokemon is the effort value system getting the mid max out of it in, as, as a casual person has always just been a nightmare uh because you either need to know exactly where the items that you need are found or you need to know 
what Pokemon yield very specific effort values that you need, which is a nightmare in and of itself, especially as we're entering to a Pokedex that has we're up to a thousand over a thousand Pokemon now. So there's a uh, there's a lot there. Thankfully, there's not a thousand Pokemon in this game. Uh, I I'm very much a fan of them not. Um, I'm very much a fan of them not including every Pokemon in the game. I think that just... It makes the, the task of building a, a Pokemon game nowadays just a bit too difficult. In terms of scale and balance and stuff, it's just, you know... Balancing a hundred... Advancing over a thousand different Pokemon is just ridiculous. Is um, there any game currently where you can legitimately catch them all? Or is it now kind of a pipe dream? Um, technically, technically speaking, within the context of... Pokemon Legends Arceus, you can catch them all. Right, okay. Um, and con- and contextually speaking, within the Pokemon Let's Go games, you can catch them all. Do you think but maybe... Yeah, that, right. Not really. Is, it, is there been like a shift where they don't really say, God, I catch them all anymore. They just say, maybe catch them all. <laughs> Gotta catch on, some of them. Maybe catch them all, depending on platform. Set realistic expectations <laughs> for yourself. <laughs> <laughs> Might catch just a you, little of them. You tried, and that's what's important. Yeah. <laughs> Positive. John, you're bearing the lead. You can ride Pokemon, and they've yes. got wheels. Tell me about yes. the wheelie Pokemon. The wheelie Pokemon. <laughs> I was very skeptical going in because I'm very much a fiend for. I want to hunt legendary Pokemon because it's fun. I like secrets in games, and they have not used uh, riding the legendary, the mascot legendary, as an excuse to not have secrets in this game, which is really cool. So. Um, the way the le- the uh, legendary ride works is it basically exists as your HMs or just your mobility mechanics for the game. So as you right. progress through the games, um, you'll hit certain ch- um, milestones in because there are three separate campaigns you can do at once. Uh, and with one of them, when you hit certain, oh, I accidentally hit mute. So excited, <laughs> he muted himself. Yeah, the but first with, milestone with is muting yourself. With, with with one of the campaigns, uh, you you get like. Um, as you hit each milestone, you will get new movement abilities. So it starts off with, you can do like a, a faster dash on the bike and then you can jump higher and then you can swim and then you can glide and then you can climb. So it like, it really affords all this extra mobility to you. And because it's such an open format, um, it's just, it's a lot more free of an experience than Pokemon has been for a while. Uh, I would argue it's the only way that a 3D Pokemon game should exist nowadays because I feel like the games have lost their charm since moving from 2D. Uh, but outside of that, it's there's just, you know, a lot of freedom. So you have these three um, campaigns, which all lead into the one final ending at the very end. Uh, so you obviously do need to do them all. But the part that took me by surprise was the very final chapter after you've done all three. Where from, I really like this game too. Holy shit, I fucking adore this game. It was just... I wasn't expecting it to be as good and as in-depth as it is. Um, the the writing for the final chapter, while it's nothing crazy good, it's just told well, and you go, wow, I did not expect competent storytelling from a Pokemon game. Uh, it's uh, And you also get to experience the, the best part uh, of that area, which is the music. The music is a fucking banger for that last area. Uh, it, and it has one of my favorite boss fight soundtracks in any Pokemon game, which is high praise because there have been some pretty good ones. Uh, the the biggest sore point, obviously, the technical performance, and there's Ed Sheeran in the credits. What? 
Yeah, it's an Ed Sheeran song in the credits. It's like, all right, it's gone from like. Uh, you know, he did a, he, they did a music Sheeran. video and everything about it. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I remember that now. That yeah. makes a bit more sense now that there's context it's, and not just a weird crossover. So it's, it's actually hilarious. So if you look at the mod forums for this game, the very first mod that's ever come out for this game is to remove that song. <laughs> Jesus. I was not expecting but, uh, that. Ariana Grande to do a closing for like a Far Cry game. That would be great. Actually. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Why not? I'd be, I'd be very I, I feel like that would be very on. That'd be very on brand for Far Cry though, because Far Cry likes to pull things out of left field. What do you so, mean you know, left field? Was... She's perfectly on field, mate. <laughs> Come on. So largely positive experience then, by the sounds of it, Jordan. Have yeah. you settled on a score yet? So I'm sitting on about seven point five. Um, a lot of its systems, while good, feel like they're in their infancy. Um, oh. and that that's fine because this is a very ambitious title for a Pokemon game where Sword and Shield just felt like it didn't know what it wanted to do. This one understands what it wants to do and it tries its hardest to get there and it's just short of excellence. So I, I think in the next generation or two, we'll be like at the peak of Pokemon yet again, which would just be nice. Do you think they'll, they'll, nice. it's good to... do you think they'll pop out a lot of updates? for it because they didn't really for Arceus I know Arceus was like a it felt like a template for, for this they didn't I, really change that um, much maybe I think the difference with Arceus is Arceus was a game designed to be a very self-contained experience whereas the nature of linking and the multiplayer which I forgot to talk about um, it, it just it opened itself much more to actually being updated and stuff like that uh, and so obviously they'll probably do DLC like they did for um, Sword and Shield, but this time, you know, the good part of the game isn't tied to the second DLC. So, you know, that'd be nice. But yeah, uh, as for the multiplayer, the multiplayer is really janky. Uh, <laughs> you can you can be in sessions with your friends, but if you're in a session with your friends, you can't link with anyone outside of that session. So if you want to trade with someone that isn't in your session, you need to disband do your trade and then go back into your session and it's really stupid. But it is very cool going around the entire Pokemon world with your friends near you. Yeah, I feel like that's something that I'm sure a lot of fans of the series have been yeah. desperately and, wanting for and a, the, a long the time. And the really cool thing about it is they've mitigated the need for trading because say I have Violet and you have Scarlet, Adam. Mm. If you jump in my world, you can actually make the Scarlet exclusive Pokemon spawn in my world so I can catch them and vice versa. That's, That's cool. Very good, actually. Yeah. That, is, that is an excellent yeah. system. Obviously, you still need trading for some Pokemon evolutions, but, you know, it's not as much of a crutch as it used to be. Yeah, nice. I actually, yeah, I really like that. And I'm glad to hear that it's kind of on an upward swing. Yeah, for sure. From, uh, from some previous ones. Uh, Nathan. Yo. Oh. Sorry. James, no, go for had, it, I please. I had one question, because I, I feel like it being a Pokemon game, this is maybe something we should bring up at least once. What are the new Pokemon like? <laughs> um, a mixed bag, and I think that's just how it always is. Uh, you're okay. always going to find Pokemon that you like and Pokemon that you don't like. Obviously, the best one is the cat Sprigatito because it's a you know a pun on grass and cat because Gatito means cat. Is it and the weak cat? Uh, more or less, yeah. Okay. Um, and then it's and then it's uh, evolution is Florigato, which just means flower cat. So, <laughs> you know, it's so it's clever. awesome. I love it. Now, Le, uh, Le, Lechonk should have been the uh, the mascot for this, I reckon. So, funnily enough, so the game makes you catch a Lechonk. As soon as I caught one, I called it ACAB because, you know, 
But the, 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 the coolest Pokemon designs are what's referred to as the Paradox Pokemon. I can't yeah. say too much about it without spoiling, but they are very cool. And for two Pokemon that are in there, they found a way to bring back the old Mega Evolution designs, which is really cool because mm. the Mega Evolutions had awesome designs. I saw, they... uh, I saw a fantastic little thing today about some of the evolutions are in there, rather a specific one. I don't spend a lot of time on Twitter, but I randomly saw a uh, video today of a person who managed to get this Pokemon to evolve that it's like a little ghost in a, in a, like a treasure chest. Oh, yes, yes, oh, Gimigo. Yeah. And then it becomes a big, like, basically like just it a, is tall, this... a tall gold dude. Yeah, <laughs> it, is, it is this incredibly so... cute little thing dancing around in its chest. Sorry. And then it, the guy had his face cam, it evolves, and the dude's face just fall. It is the perfect personification of what the fuck is that I've ever seen in <laughs> yeah. my life? Because yeah. it comes so far out of left field. And oh I felt for the guy, but just that I was I had seen zero media rega- regarding new Pokemon, but I saw that clip and I went, okay, this could be great. <laughs> I'll find the clip. I'll show you the guys later. It's amazing. I think I know the clip you're talking about. And the, the evolution is just like, what the fuck? It looks like a bigger cheese stringer made out of gold <laughs> sort of dancing. <laughs> it's this cute little thing. It's like a it's like a pearl in a clamshell, but it's like a little ghost thing in a chest. And then it turns into some big weird, weird reggae dude. It looks like a bigger cheese stringer. And the guy's just like, it's, what? It's, one of the, it's a literal gold inflatable tube man. He's just one of yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Good. Good. <laughs> All right, Nathan, are you ready for my segue? Let's do it. I'm, I'm ready. So Game Freak developed the Pokemon games, right? Yeah. They're based in Japan. Oh, oh man, we're going that Enix. low. <laughs> Square Enix are also based in Japan. Star Ocean, the Divine Force. Can you talk about it? I don't, how the fu- I've never you played Star said, Ocean. Speaking of JRPGs. Yeah, that's so much easier. That's the king of those games made in Japan. That that joke was like a drop in the ocean. Speaking of oceans, no, 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 no. I like to, I like to find creative ways. Pokemon runs on the Switch. You know who else has released a game on the Switch before? Square Enix. (laughs) Video Uh, games. Speaking of video games, (laughs) Japan was my link. Japan was my link. But yes, Jordan. Thank you, thank you, Jordan. But Nathan, can you tell us? About Star Ocean, the Divine Force, you've been playing it. I love that you leave Zach a low bar for next week, man. That's a real honourable service you provide. <laughs> the softball, I'm throwing him, yeah. Yeah, all right. So, look, I'll keep this one brief. Uh, so, Star Ocean, the Divine Force is the sixth century in the uh, JRPG fantasy sci-fi series uh, from publisher Square Enix. Uh, this one's effectively a, what I would like to think... Uh, a, a very up new presentation version of their uh, third game, which was a PS2 exclusive called Star Ocean Till the End of Time. Uh, for, better and worse, for better and worse, this game pretty much follows in that game's footsteps. Uh, so a couple of new things here. Uh, so we've got two protagonists that you can choose from. Uh, one's Raymond. He's a, like a space merchant that's crash-landed on this planet called Aster 4. And he, the first person he comes across is a... Of course, it's a, a princess in hiding called Leticia who basically brings him up to speed on this planet that he's fallen upon, and it's very much a you know a traditional JRPG land that he's happened to you know find, find his pod crashed upon. 
So you'll choose one of these two to be the main protagonist for the rest of the game. You'll be able to switch between them, but there will be events that might separate these two characters and certain cutscenes from you know their respective p perspectives. And so this is going to determine which one, which of those characters uh, is going to be the sole focus for those scenes and for those uh, diversions. So this game, unfortunately, it does look quite nice occasionally and sounds quite good with a with a soundtrack that would rival you know the typical final fantasy game um but it plays very much like the series did back in 2004 so i mentioned uh, just on the presentation side the voice acting they did they went full dual audio uh, they've got voice lines for everything including the npcs and quest givers they've gone all out like you don't see that in jrpgs not even in Final Fantasies. Typically, a quest giver will just be a text box or an NPC's got something, you know, they're probably not going to talk. This game's covered at all. It's okay voice acting. Like, it's, you know, imagine that it's an anime. It's kind of par the course. Uh, something that's completely forgettable, but also non like it's inoffensive. Uh, but occasionally, some of the lines are a bit butchered in editing, so there won't be a pause between some sentences. They just fold into one another. So, very minor. Um... But I was really impressed that they did that. And they also went as far as to lip sync it all, which is also really admirable from a presentation side. It all syncs up really nicely, no matter what dub you choose. So, you know, that's brilliant. As for looking occasionally good, the environments here uh, make for fantastic still images. In motion, uh, I was playing the game on both performance and quality mode. The frame rate dips. It's not too bad in open fields, but once characters start populating, once you've got enemies start appearing it does start to chug down. It's not uncommon to have as many as eight combatants on the screen at a time, sometimes even far, far more. But I found that generally by the time that you've got eight on screen, the frame rate is dipping to an absolute crawl no matter which mode you're on. So that's a bit unfortunate because otherwise the game is quite flashy and quite attractive. I'm just going to cut to the negative now. So the game has pretty much the same menus as it did in 2004. You're going to spend a lot of time in these menus, um, equipping your characters for combat, um, you don't get much control over your characters. They're just kind of left to their own devices. And as such, in the late game, you have this issue where you've pretty much got to play the support nanny on the side because these characters are just going to keep dying in combat scenarios. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I wasn't in love with that. In the end of the game, you're just spending all your time on the sides, uh, keeping your characters all potioned up while they do the fighting for you. There's also, whenever you're in cities and towns, uh, you've got constant popping as well of NPCs just a foot in front of you. So loads of minor annoyances, menus from the old game. Um, I've been a bit thrown because the boys are having a laugh about something in the chat. Now it's kind of thrown me and I've got to find it. No, fuck's sake. <laughs> it's got nothing to do with this at all. I, I'm, I'm just laughing at every time I get on the podcast, podcast Nathan, you, you, sort, you sort of talk about a, an RPG that you're playing. Yeah. That apparently is from 10 years ago. <laughs> I keep going, is it the same fucking game? It might as well be. But look, you raised a good point. But look, we're going back to 2004 this time. So, you know, 18 years like. But yeah. Um, so look, just for anyone that had played Star Ocean till the end of time, this is my wrap up. Uh, it follows the same plot beats. You've crash landed on a planet. Uh, you get embroiled in, you know, the bullshit of the, the people, the fantasy people and their problems as you would any JRPG. Eventually you get to lift off the planet and uh, you take away some political infighting with you. You find yourself back on the planet and game kind of wraps up. And it's, it's the same plot beats as the game in 2004. 
and it's got the same crafting systems, same combat systems. I think it sounds like I'm being general, but these are the exact same systems that you would get in those games right down to the point where, as I said, you spend the half, late half of the game just sitting on the sidelines keeping your characters alive because it is an active battle system. So you're just throwing potions at them constantly because they can't heal themselves and the only thing they know to do is just, you know, face roll enemies. So it dipped off a bit for me at the end. Uh, what what held a lot of potential just ultimately comes undone in the second half by just really old school gameplay, which was not the shining point of the original release. So they kind of missed the assignment a little bit, but it's pretty. Uh, 6.5. Wow. So would you say this is better or worse than Integrity and Faithlessness? Didn't play it. Can't tell you. Everyone I told me to avoid it. playing it. <laughs> it was... Are you a... Have you played many of the the games from the star ocean series or is this kind of one of the first that you've, you've well i've i've played and i've dabbled so the first one i got on board with was till the end of time the one that came out in 2004 it was the first time that this series had been localized in the west so it came from you know the final fantasy publisher this is another ambitious jrpg they're putting out so i got a lot of attention and it got my attention at the time this was really innovating. innovative. It had like the survival crafting systems and that that you would expect as commonplace today. Had them all in 2004. So that was really cool. The issue is they haven't modernized any of that. And there's been, you know, so many games that have come by since 2004 that have done all of its innovative features better. And thus we have this issue. Um, but no, would I... You, yeah. Sorry, would you be maybe more lenient with the game if it kept that original title and it was just more upfront with what it was. Cause to like, if you were to put this in front of me, I'd think they were two completely separate games, mm. but you're saying it's more of kind of a remake remaster kind of situation. Would you be more lenient if it was just kept the title and said remake or remaster? And so it, like, you know what you're getting going into it. Well, it's, it's worse than that. See, because it's not the same character names. It's not the same item names. Like this is a different uh, game, okay. but it's still following those same beats right down to the letter. Gotcha. So it's very, yep. it's, I think in my review, I called it like a spiritual remake in a sense, mm, different characters, yeah, but they're still like the characters look the same as they did in 2004. Like they have the same, character designs they're just so it's like the same kind of archetypes as well like these characters oh, effectively sort of, that's weird it is a very weird game and it, so it's clearly like this is the 25th anniversary of this series uh they've clearly chosen their first big western release of this series as the one to make the the focus of it to the point where it kind of forgets some of the innovations that the later games had and just seems to use this 2004 as a blueprint so it's a very unusual game and i don't know how the fans will take to it considering there's later games in the series that have done some things better than this. I'm seeing, I've had a flick through and I'm seeing the, your six and a half seems to be fairly accurate as far as the aggregate is concerned. The six and six and a half is kind of where it's sitting at. So mm. I think you're, you're definitely not alone in that, um, in that feeling, but I don't know. JRPG fans are weird. Maybe they'll just love it. <laughs> you, look, you're at dozens upon dozens of hours. You hit the nail on the head. Absolutely. Do you think it's, it's Ash. do you think it's a little I don't mean to interrupt. Do you think it's a little Square Enix pushing out too many games because they've got a lot of RPGs they've released? Oh fuck oath. They all look the fucking more. same. Bro, you're talking to me. I've I've been tasked with I've tasked myself <laughs> rather <laughs> with reviewing most reviewed of literally all of them. Yeah. Yeah. Have like a, do you have a basic template for Square Enix reviews now? <laughs> this <laughs> yeah, but the I, same I think way. About this, do they have? 
I think about this all the time, okay, guys? And I'm like, is this a result of them spending all that money on, like, the NFT bullshit that they've just fucked their design <laughs> blueprints? Because this does, like, all of these games feel like they just haven't had enough money in them. Yeah. Like, there's just so many cut corners. There is clear clear potential at the heart of it. And you see, you always see it in the first couple of hours. And then it has nothing to sustain the rest of the, you know, 40 So the game gets its hooks in you and then just stops trying. Well, that was the same issue that we talked about with Valkyrie Elysium, Dio Field Chronicles, just pretty much... Um, other than pr- Triangle Strategy, Square Enix have had a real old year. They had Tactics Worker at least, so I'll forgive them for that. But I'll forgive them for that, yeah, I, yeah. I'm a bit concerned about Crisis Core now. I don't know, man, but I, ne- I, ne- I never liked Final Fantasy VII Remake to begin with, so... Uh, well... I'll, they all I'll sound that, like the it. same game. <laughs> like, all of their names make it sound like they're the same fucking game. All the artwork looks the same as well. Like, all the logos look the same. They're all the same, fu- <laughs> yeah. it's the same fucking game. Yeah. Anyway, I won't, I won't get all mad about that. Because that's... A, <laughs> He's that's not that's, wrong, though, man. I feel it's like me that. yelling at clouds. <laughs> Ash, I have a regret. Yeah, because okay. the, the two games that you're on here to, to tell us about are both... The protagonists are gunslingers and they have similar <laughs> combat. And I decided to pair your segue off with fucking Midnight Suns. So I have no <laughs> segue for you. I got a, I got a segue for you. Speaking of games from 18 years ago, quote Nathan, <laughs> let's talk about it. Let's talk about a game that got a sequel 18 years later. Give it to me though. Gungrave Gore, <laughs> which is g.o.r. R.E., which has been giving me the shits when doing news pieces about sure, it. Sure, it is. Tell me. Uh, it is a pain in the ass. Do you know what G O R E stands for? No. It'll make you even angrier because it's not even a proper acronym. It stands for Gunslinger of Resurrection. G O dot R E. Yeah. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. Yeah, I love mm. that so much. I was like, "There's so, no way this is, can be as bad as he's building it up for." And it there's was. a dot between it was, it R was and worse. E. <laughs> no, it is. It's terrible. tell us about the obviously, tell us about the gunslinger the, the of resurrection. R and e in Gore though stands for Reach for the Moon. Oh, naturally, <laughs> that's a really good one. As well. Still good. Still good. Residence Moon Evil. Okay, so. I've I've got a statement to make about gunslingers, about good old Gungrave Gore. I will preface everything I'm about to say with simply this: Who here has seen Ratatouille? Yep. Yep. Yes. Gungrave. Where are you going with this, Ash? I'm going to take my hat off, and there's a little rat who actually did the review for me. What? No. <laughs> Gungrave is my peasant's dish. Okay. That's what I'm going to say. This game, I think it is magnificent. I use horrible terminology like, it is a shallow gameplay experience where the depth is added via player choice. But this is coming (laughs) from the same conversation where our very own KV, Kieran, when I jokingly said, but who wins the GOTY, Gungrave of the Year, he said... Even if we had that category, I still wouldn't give it to Gungrave Gore. (laughs) (laughs) So let's get down to brass tacks with that out of the way. Okay. Gungrave is a series from 18 years ago. It is from the mind of the same guy that came up with the anime Trigun. Hands up, people who know what Trigun is. Oh. Hey, good stuff. Um, Old mate Yasuhiro back in the day was like, hey, you know what? Making anime is cool. I'm going to make a video game. And just out of nowhere, him and a studio called Red just created Gungrave. Okay? It's a 
It's a game where you play as a dude who was killed and got resurrected into the ultimate gunslinger machine. Your name is Beyond the Grave. We're just going to call him Grave for short, okay? It's easier. Hold up. Wait, 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 wait. His full name is Beyond, Beyond middle name, the yes. last name, Grave. <laughs> yes. That's okay, excellent. Cool. That is excellent. Old mate died. Yeah. He got resurrected. He lost his memories and his name is now Beyond the Grave. It's just chef's kiss. It's all ridiculous. I love it. He made the game. Look, you play as Beyond the Grave. You have two massive firearms that are known as the Cerberus pistols. Yes, I know. Cerberus has three heads. There's only two guns. <laughs> well, obviously, you just don't have the third one. The third one shows up in the second game. Anyway, <laughs> because because old mate Grave is not using his coffin on account of him not being dead anymore, he decides to fill it with guns and turn it into a mortal weapons platform. Then he could carry it on his back or possibly on a wheelie trolley. No, he chains it to his elbows. <laughs> Hang on, to his, his elbows? To his elbows, yes. I don't understand that doesn't seem like a, any part a functional... of what I'm hearing and I'm in. Yeah. Well, think about it, okay? He needs to melee somebody, okay? So what does he do? He pirouettes on the spot and swings the coffin around to hit people. So with that out of the way, that's the premise, okay? It's a, it's a tale of revenge and you have been reanimated after being killed. And the bottom line is there's this weird sort of street drug called Seed that are like, you know, gang gangs are like slinging around. And the people who take this drug in high, quality, uh, high quantities actually transform into monsters. So that was the story 18 years ago. We find ourselves now in the year 2022 and Grave is a reanimated gunslinger with his coffin chained to his elbows and he's tracking down gangs that are dealing seed again. So basically nothing has changed. It's just on PS5 now. But the gameplay is quite literally, you walk forward reasonably slowly, firing your guns like a complete madman and every now and then you push another button that does a super ridiculous anime styled attack. You will whip your coffin off your back, sling it over your shoulder. It will fold out, and now it's a missile launcher. You will slap your two guns together, and for some reason it slows time, and now you can shoot everybody in the head. You will pull out your coffin, and it will fold into two massive swords, and you will now fly forward, chopping people up. Think Devil May Cry, but you spend a lot more time on the ground. And instead of having a sword, you're just shooting. Like, the soundtrack of the game is literally... Bang, 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 for 10 minutes at a time. I can get around that. The thing is, it's just so fucking stupid, I love it. I was just coming down with COVID when I started playing it. I don't know whether it was a fever dream. I don't know whether it was some kind of illness thing, but it gripped me. I had to go back and play it once I'd started recover. And you know what? It's still fucking stupid. But I love it even more. Like, the, it's like playing those old classic sort of arcade games. Like, you know when you play Time Crisis, it's just you mowing through dudes, but you every now and then you sort of like put your foot down and drop behind cover. Imagine that, but no light gun. You're just walking forward shooting people. You know, like Shinobi back in the days, like the, the, the 3D ones that came out on the PS2, when you're just mowing through ridiculous enemies. It's that. There is no other game where you will play as... This ridiculously tall, lanky idiot who wears glasses and has immaculate boy band hair. You will fire so rapidly into hordes of dudes 
cars will explode, windows will shatter, randomly fishmen will start running at you, these massive albino roid raging dudes with spikes poking out of them will start jumping out from behind cars to attack you as well, and the whole time you are just going bananas with your guns. And then every now and then, a literal massive skull in the top corner who is there the entire time looking around like he's waiting for something to happen, he will make a loud noise like he bites something. That's him having eaten enough score from your scoreboards to give you another demolition shot point so that you can push one of your super attack buttons. And then you'll whip out your bloody coffin, spin it around like a domino sign guy, and it will be firing out of both ends with massive machine gun barrels and you'll just hit everyone around you. And somehow it's still this reanimated zombie dude with guns, but now he's doing a Quiznos pizza sign thing. It's so fucking stupid, but I love it. And there's so much of it. I played the game for like eight hours and I thought that is, that's probably plenty of Gungrave. And then it had like another six hours. And then I played as other characters. Like, out of- do they, do they also carry coffins, or is that exclusive to- That's, that's exclusive to Old Mr. Mate. Beyond. M- Mr. 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 V, BTG. No, his, um, his, uh, old nemesis, a bloke by the name of Bungie, who was in the first game and got killed, and then he was in the second game and got killed, and now he's here in the third game. It's heavily implied he's a Terminator now, but I'm, I'm all for the fact that the guy- just keeps dying. Well, he's he's wearing glasses and he's got a red glowing eye. Okay, I don't have a lot of comparisons to make here, but there's all the signs that maybe he's a cyborg now. But either way, he's died several times, but he keeps coming back. You get to play as Bungie, and he is just a dude in a coat, but he just hits harder and sh- runs faster and shoots faster. So I played his level like ten times in a row. I know there's something wrong with me, but it was just it was that much fun. It just felt so stupid. I had to do it again. And then later on, you play as a young girl who half her body is turning into Crystal. Guess guess what her name is. No, it's not Crystal. Crystal? No. Ah, oh, fuck. You're close. Her name is, Qu- her name is Quartz. Uh... <laughs> Bloody close. She doesn't get guns. Instead, she plays like a Tekken character and can shoot a literal Hadouken. That's, <laughs> that's her thing. So after playing, again, like 11 hours of shooting... Rant, rap, like rapidly, and I mean this. You're, you are pushing the button constantly. Suddenly, I'm just punching the same fish monsters now and shooting Hadoukens, and I'm like, I'm so confused, but I'm also so very, very happy. It's like bi- biting into a delicious cake, and then you realize it's lasagna, and you're like, oh, this is okay. I like lasagna. <laughs> I don't know about the icing, but I'm still on board. It's- oh, good. Well, I feel like I know the answer to this because you've talked about shooting fishmen and throwing out Hadoukens, but... Go for it. R- you're not going to need to jump on YouTube and do like a 45-minute a what happened in the first two games to enjoy this, yeah? No, only 40 minutes. Only 40 minutes. Ah, okay, well, cool. it depends. So remember how I said like the first game was made by a guy who makes animes, thought, hey, I'll make a game? Mm. So he made the first game and then he decided to make an anime. <laughs> so... Good. And it's a prequel that explains why the first game exists, and then the second game came out. But anyway, Gungrave Gore, when you open it, it has a button that just simply says recap or history. It's one of the two. Either way, cool. you push it, and you get a really rapid little anime slideshow that explains the story so far. Nice. The only disappointing thing about it is that it doesn't lead with 
when those games came out because someone's probably going to be like oh when did this happen and then they're going to realize that if you if you are invested in the Gungrave series at all you need a ps2 and you need to find the games and you need to somehow dig up the anime from wherever it is which apparently won quite a few awards so clearly you're enamored with this game have you settled on a score i have i have look i'm gonna be honest Tell us. very generous I personally think it is a chaos simulator that is a hell of a lot of fun. Okay, there's plenty of bang for your buck and there's tons of replayability. You just need to be vibrating at the wavelength that this thing is on. I have given it a 7 out of 10. I firmly believe there's a lot of people out there that are going to absolutely shit heal this game. And I say in my review... If you were to play this game for 10 minutes and no more, you would be right in walking away thinking there is nowhere else for this gameplay to go. Did you say it was like 12 hours? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot in there. So it, 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 Good. it, it sounds like it sounds like, you know, like an old school arcade shoot-em-up, but as a third-person action game. Like you're literally just holding the button down the entire time. You're not holding that button down. Are oh, you not holding it down? To shoot, you are feathering the button. Oh. Yeah, I know. It took a bit of getting used to, but somehow I developed RSI and I did it. Yeah. The, the thing I said in my review is that it is a shallow gameplay experience, but all of the depth comes from the player choice. It is a power fantasy. Grave is quite literally a reanimated corpse. He doesn't deal with abuse the same way a normal person would. He just gets shit thrown at him you can face tank missiles and all the rest of it it takes a while before you're actually under threat so people could theoretically walk forward shooting both his guns non-stop for 10 minutes at a time and that would complete the game and they'd walk away saying that was wretched but as soon as you start pushing other buttons and thinking about what's happening that's when the fun begins there the, the guns auto lock onto people but there is a button that you can manually aim so now instead of like automatically shooting through five people how about you manually aim at the car next to it, blow it up, and fling them across the room? Why don't you shoot the propane tank that's behind the cover where those guys are clearly waiting to throw grenades at you? How about when you enter a room before things have even aggroed you, that demolition shot, those super abilities you can use? Push a button and shoot a missile that's literally quarter the size of the screen straight down the corridor and blow them all up. Those moments are epic and they feel awesome. They are retro and arcadey as heck it's the same as hitting a smart bomb when you're playing like space invaders and stuff and you clear the screen you go you know what that felt great i did it at the right time it feels good and it's one of those games where the entire ui is just spitting numbers and huge explosion things at you if you kill like 30 people at once the score that comes up for what you did feels like for like as it hits the screen it takes up 60 percent of the screen until it shrinks down into the corner like, the whole game is the embodiment of just, fuck yeah, over and over again. But you got to find those moments. you got to make them happen. And the music fucking bangs. Which helps. I think after the last the last few games you've reviewed, Ash, you just need a nice lie down. Like, yeah. between Evil West and Gungrave. Uh, too much yeah. Ash before bed. Like, oh, oh my maybe, good god. Maybe go and buy I, the Bratz game, I recommend it. I <laughs> yeah. I was tasked with making a review video for Evil West. I recorded voiceover to make a video for Gungrave as well. And then I started gathering footage. And then I just started to feel like all I could hear when I closed my eyes was gunshots. 
<laughs> and I thought I need a break. So I, yeah. I was very tempted to make the Gungrave review video literally just be me talking about the game and then the volume of the gunshots will slowly get higher to the point where you can't hear me talking anymore. <laughs> and at the end of the game, we'll just be going, so anyway, it's a 7 out of 10. And then that'd be it. <laughs> But um, Dude, it sounds like your your internal monologue at the moment is just bullets. Bang 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 bang. Like, <laughs> did I mention that ninety percent of the game sounds come through the controller? No, no, thank you. Yeah, no, I turn that turn shit that off? off. Okay, good. Yep. You can. Yeah, there's a, there's a whole bunch of slidings, but like I started playing the game and I just went. I think the only thing coming from the fucking game is the music. <laughs> like, Jesus. Environmental destruction comes from the controller. I blew up a car and the controller just goes, and I'm like, what the shit? It was uh, Alright, Ash. Yeah. That's a it's enough it's enough chaos, mate. We need to talk about Goat Simulator 3. Um I, I won't I won't harp on about it. I gave the game an eight. It's ridiculous. It's bigger than the first by a good margin. It's got like an open world with uh like multiple different not biomes, but different areas, areas. that you can go through areas is probably more apt. Um, they give you like a, a laundry list of activities that you can do that are really bite-sized. Um, most of them are funny. Some of them are really cringe. The humor is both a good and a bad. It's in the good category and the bad category in get, my review. Can we get an example of something that is cringe in that game? Um, does the opening count? Because I have played it as well. The opening does count. Um, <laughs> so it's a, oh, you're finally awake Skyrim. Oh, where you you're, it literally is, yeah. Oh, oh, and they like overplay no. it to the point where you get an achievement yeah. for just like not skipping the cutscene, And then the dude's like, okay, you can get off the Skyrim cart now. Like they, they yeah. name it. <laughs> and then, and then about maybe 30 seconds later, they're like, anyway, go over to that goat tower and synchronize with it to discover the area. So <laughs> that's fucking Assassin's Creed. Like, so there's some yeah. cringe for you. That that becomes busy there work as well. Cause you actually do need to, you do need to go around and unlock all of the goat towers. So that's a, a bit, you say yeah. all of them. There's what, like eight? Yeah, it, I, it got it got old after like the third. So it's, I, when it's it's not an Ubisoft game, then. No, no, nah, it's not. It's not that ridiculous. But they set it up as a joke for it being Assassin's Creed, and then they make you do like the same thing that Assassin's Creed does. But the game's ridiculous. It is insanely fun. I've not laughed that hard playing with both Nathan and KV in a very, very long time playing a game. Like it just puts you in ridiculous situations and gives you all the tools to have uh, a raucous great old time. And it's, yeah, there's far more hits than misses. So I gave it an eight. Nathan, you've also played it. I was about to say, should we take, we've been patient boys here. I think we should take a moment to riff on maybe just some colorful anecdotes that kind of paint this review. And so, you know, I'll, I'll hit this one off first. So I was in this little neighborhood, you know, this real white picket fence neighborhood, and I just wandered near what must be a therapist operating out of their own home. And the game goes, gives you objectives based on vicinity. So it goes, uh, you just get this nebulous objective, go visit the shrink or go see the shrink. So I say to Kieran, hey, hey, do you want to quickly teleport to me? And we'll go investigate this this mission and see what, you know, what you get. Because it does give you rewards like cosmetics and stuff that are real kooky. So we go into the shrink's house and I go, okay, we, I think the game wants us to sit on the couch. It's just basically like a big leather couch and the, the therapist sitting in the chair. So me and Kieran both hop onto the couch. There's a pause and then immediately the house shrinks and kicks us out. We visited the shrink, the house shrunk. 
we mission complete. Game goes, <laughs> you've done well. Pat on the back, <laughs> off you go. Which it's so, <laughs> it's so tuggy in cheek that I just loved it. So I'll just I'll preface that with just a quick another one. So I said to Kieran, like, because he he he'd interviewed these developers. So I said, what nationality is this? I wanted to understand what kind of cultural background this human is coming from because this game would just absolutely pours it on. And he goes, it's Swedish, I think. And I go, oh, yeah, cool. And he goes, yeah, so when I was talking to the developers, I asked them, because you can get these outfits of different animals. So you can, like, you, you can be a, a pig, a giraffe, what is it, Tony Shark? Yeah, a, sh- a, sh- uh, a hammerhead shark on a skateboard and a giraffe. Which yeah, you can there's... use to grind on rails and shit. Yep, yep, it's a Power time. Lines. Yeah, yeah, so anyway, he goes, uh, is there any more unlockable animals in the game? And he goes, what do you mean? The only unlockables are goats. So it's full commitment to the bit. Um, and I love that because I said, yeah, that sounds kind of Swedish to me because I, when I was uh, living abroad, I was in an apartment and I had, I'd have all these like, you know, multinational people come over for drinks every now and then. Had this Swedish friend that after a few drinks, he'd turn into a bouncer and he'd come into my, he, in my home, uh, he would accost me if I'd go into the kitchen without a bottle in hand, he'd go, oi, you, it's a party. You're not allowed in here without a drink. And he'd just, he, he'd get all these like drunk mates, get them around up and escort me out of my own kitchen. So I'd come back later and try and get back in and go, oi, oi, you don't have a drink. So full commitment to the bit. The Swedish just have a real dry approach to just, they will role play the humor. And it's, re- it's role played really well in this game. Yeah, it's, and a lot of the, the laughs that you'll have will be outside of the little activities you do as well. Like one of the, the great moments we had was, um, Kieran, there's a, a little machine that you can alter your oh, size. You me. can either get really massive or really tiny. So Kieran decided to like be game breakingly massive. Yeah. And make himself absolutely gigantic, but he was also using stilts. So you <laughs> couldn't see him on frame until he hit the button where you go completely ragdoll and then like this meteor sized giraffe would come tumbling to the earth at just directly in front of you. And it's like equal parts, like a little bit scary because he's just popped out of nowhere and ri- absolutely ridiculously and hilarious. It's a lot of, yeah, it'll give you a bunch of tools to just fuck around with and you'll have a great old time. I think if you played the original, luckily it's not just like a, a, a one note thing no. there, there it, it is worth playing this as well. And if you haven't played the original, definitely, definitely play this. Cause it's a, yeah, it's, it's a, it's a waste of time in the long run, but in, in like the Fuck, best you're gonna way. Love what an endorsement. Yeah. You will gain nothing from it, this experience, but a good time. So nah, it's, I, I'm it's thinking fantastic. of just like, so we obviously, we played a cop. I'm thinking of just like nuking my save and going through it again with April. Oh, hundred percent. I'm going to do the same with key because there were bits in it that I was like, oh, she would find this so fucking funny. There is a magic so. when all of the jokes in this game start to overlap in game breaking ways. And the game just goes, no, we're just going to persevere with this broken game state. Like we had a tornado yep. that would just keep ripping through the world. It just never went away. We'd be trying to do an objective. You were trying to stack 40 boxes in some douche's garage. And then the tornado came around and just <laughs> shit whipped your boxes to the other end of the neighborhood. We didn't even fucking find them. Yep. They were gone. Yep. You're like, just have to like, deal with it. Try again. Yep. It uh, also in multiplayer holds up ridiculously well. Like Too there well. were three of us doing anything and everything and the game just took it on the chin. Like there were a couple of little dips in frame rate, but it held up really well. So very commendable for 
for such a chaotic experience. But yeah, absolutely should play it. It's a it's a banger of a time. Um, that's all of the the reviews that we personally have, but we have got one shout out from Mr. Dylan, which is the Dark Pictures anthology, The Devil in Me, which he has given an eight, which I know that the, the, quali- the quality of the Dark Pictures games has been kind of varied. So it's good to see this is on the, the uphill. Uh, but he said, after a slow start to the series, there you go, The Devil in Me is a satisfying end to the Dark Pictures first season with its fascinating setting and improved gameplay, leaving me excited for the second season. Uh, are any of you keen to check this out? Have you been following Dark Pictures at all? Anybody? Sorry. I, I, uh, I know them all, but it's like each one I look at them and I go, why? Just I, I feel like it could have been it could have been more than like if each game had been its own bigger budgeted thing, it probably would have been better. Play the quarry then, Mark. I have played the quarry. And it's better. Yeah, because it's because it's better. <laughs> They actually put effort into it. I feel like Dark Pictures, they don't they don't have a big enough budget for each episode they try to do. Oh, That's just me. Slapping That's just them me. about. Savage. Nah, fair play. I, I said that I was going to play them and then I haven't. <laughs> so I'll probably do the same thing. I honestly time. will never play them. <laughs> In the nicest way possible. Yeah. Yeah. I, have a, <laughs> I have an incredibly specific set of criteria for games that I would much rather watch someone else play and mm-hmm. these fucking games fit uh, yes. perfectly in that yeah. niche so, uh, so yeah. i i, I yeah. watched two, two friends play them and i have a yeah. blast watching it but i've watched it and i just go i would never want to play this yeah i've i've got a friend who routinely loves these kind of games and he will always jump on discord and if he's going to play them he will say hey man i'm about to start x do you want to watch me and i'll be like sure and i'll watch him play the entire game there won't be a minute that i miss but i'll see it all from his perspective and you know what works for me I, that, that's I do that's hope fair. that there are some stupid moments because I think it was in the first one, Man of Medan. Uh, is it the one with Sean Ashmore or whatever? Yeah. There's just this random scene where they're on a boat where a customer just goes, nerd, and then he cuts back. And you go, what? <laughs> 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 I like that. I like that a lot. Look, we've been, we've been chatting for a good long while. Let's whip through the news because there's a little bit to talk about, but not much. Um, Mario Kart 8 Deluxe Booster Course Pass Wave 3, which is a fucking mouthful, um, has been detailed and it got a December 7th release date. Uh, You've got the Rock Cup and the Moon Cup. We've got Maple Treeway, Boo Lake, Rock Rock Mountain and London Loop in the Rock Cup. And then we've got Rainbow Road from Mario Kart 7, Peach Gardens, fuck yeah, from Mario Kart DS, Merry Mountain and Berlin Byways. Are there any standouts from that list obviously peach garden yeah dude yeah peach garden's a banger i'm glad that it's out in december just in time for you to get your family around for christmas and then just break everyone's friendships because you're gonna be playing some mario kart i also i I really like the real world stages i'm really enjoying those they're from they're from the world from from tour yeah Yeah. because the in tour being a mobile game it's it's very on rails where they really established more of a traditional track with each Mm. one they brought out with them they've done a good job yeah not that I have a Switch, but I'd look forward to playing those. Because they do look cool, but fuck, I don't want to play Mario Kart on a mobile. So I'm glad they're porting them over to Mario Kart 8 yeah, as well. This is, where they, really this is where they're supposed to be. James, this is where a conversation between you and I is going to kick off. Callisto Protocol, they put out their launch trailer, Striking Distance, and it fucking bangs. The trailer is fantastic. It and is I a good suggest 
I'd suggest that everyone go and watch it because KV in one of our chats put out a very good point that all of the trailers up until this point have not really given you an idea as to what the game is in a meaningful way. But this trailer, what bangs. what he said got me to watch it. I'm not big on watching a lot of trailers. I usually watch the first one and then no more. But when he said that is the yeah. first trailer that gave me an idea of what's actually going on, I was like, hey, I'll check it out. And that's when I came to the realization that. Old mate, Mr. Mr. Callisto Protocol is actually Josh Duhamel. Josh Duhamel. The d- it's the Josh god. What? It's Josh, du- Josh Duhamel. Duhamel. Josh Dumel. It's the dude. Josh Dumel. It's Jarhead from the fucking Transformers <laughs> movies, okay? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but that, uh, it was the first, and it's just when I heard the voiceover and it was like him breathily being like, oh, I can't believe that happened. I was like, oh my God, it's Josh Duhamel. But um, I had no idea but that they yes. had real star power in the game. So like, I'm already interested in the concept, but now I'm really the, interested uh, to see those performances. It's you the actress from The Boys, right? Yes. Uh, yes. Yeah. yes, it yeah. is. It's Karen. Yes. Yeah. Game looks fucking great. But if you've been listening to the Helix Protocol podcast, you'll already have an idea as what the world is going to be like. James, you have listened to the first episode. I have listened to the first three now, actually. Um, yeah, I mean, look, they're, they're fortunately quite short. Um, you can sort of burn yeah. through them pretty easily if you want to. Um, surprisingly cool. Um, like it's it's video game dialogue, but presented in like a really tight audio drama kind of production way. Um, and the little hints that they are able to provide a view of like the way this world is working in terms of like weird body autonomy and capitalism and yeah, the, oh my the god it's a locked like door stuff. i need some kind of key card to get forward a little bit there's there is definitely a little bit of that going on in this um <laughs> but it's it's surprisingly okay I'm, I'm having a good time i like whatever's being set up here um i maintain though that gwendolyn christie should have been the star of this game because you imagine that trailer but with gwendolyn christie in there instead of just like another gruff white dude i think that would have elevated this thing to fucking like astronomical levels um, but it's fine. I'll survive. Going into the the last episode, because the last episode is well, today. So listen to this podcast and then go listen to the last episode of Helix what, Protocol? Helix Station. Helix Station. Yeah. Um, I'm very nervous as to, to whether she's going to make it out. What's going to happen to her? Will we see her in the game? I'm Surely they're going to have her in the game. Stuff. They, can't, they can't just have her in the podcast. Well, who knows? It's Who knows? such a big get for this. I just, I, it would be yeah. great for her to It'd show be up. Weird not to, yeah. yeah. And her character is fucking cool. So cool. As well. Yeah. The idea of like she an is... older, crazy ish drug addict uh, smuggler. Like, let's go. Yeah. She's like a bounty hunter that's like addicted to crack, more or less. And yeah. It's, <laughs> she's fucking awesome. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yes, you should listen to the podcast. Get keen for the game. Trailer. It's fucking great. Uh, there's also another trailer for Need for Speed Unbound. Uh, which gives you a kind of a better look at some of the the speedy racing. Uh, it the game looks kind of cool. I dig the like the the anime little effects that they're doing. I don't know if I'll play it. I don't know if I'll be that interested, especially because it comes out next fucking month, which is terrifying. I thought it was next year, but it's not. It's in like two weeks, and I'll probably be playing Kalista. It, it looks it, cool. It comes out next week. No, thank you. Next week, no. really? Jesus. Friday. That's Are you serious? That's terrifying. Is this the yeah. first we've heard about this game up until this point? Uh, <laughs> nah. was no, it was like five months ago. PAX. I remember we were talking oh, yeah? about it at PAX. Mm, yeah. It was around that time. Yeah. So are these are these time, little yeah. anime effects you're talking about? Are we talking about like like cool like red line effects like? 
no, sort of car racing anime stuff. No. <laughs> no. Not, not that epic. Oh, well. No, it, it looks more like <laughs> Americanized cartoon instead of anime Correct. is what I'm getting from this. True, yeah. 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 Which yeah. is a real heavy on the cell shading type yeah. of shit. Yeah, okay. it's a choice. Yeah. It's a choice. <laughs> Need for Speed's all about the choice. It's a choice. <laughs> it is definitely about the choice. Uh, Nathan, Yo. this will be more your bag because this was... Uh, an event that you attended magic the gathering has a new set can you tell us very briefly about it uh very very briefly yep uh, wizards of the coast were happy to get me around the new magic the gathering release which is kind of a thematic re-release of their very second expansion from way back in 1994 antiquities this is the brothers war so this sees the uh two brothers that basically i think like ripped open the moldy verse in the magic series and brought forth uh, you know, lore that's, I guess, Thanos scale. Uh, so we've got Urza and Mishra. They come with mechanical mechs and uh, just, you know, oversized robots. And by reintroducing this, they've done a couple of cool things. They've also uh, bought like retro boarded cards from way back in the 90s uh, back into play. They won't be used in standard play, but are great for collectors, look really neat. But the big grab here, uh, bigger than anything else really, is they've also taken this as an opportunity to integrate their, uh, I think it's called Universes Beyond lineup, which is where they've been doing all their Fortnite crossovers. They're bringing that into the main set this time by featuring uh, Transformers, of all things. <laughs> We've got some very sexy looking Transformers, notably from G1 and those early generations. Uh, has any, anyone checked these out? I've looked at them. I've looked at the art. Thoughts? I refuse to engage with uh, Magic the Gathering because I've already got too many expensive Ash. hobbies. Oh, you can, screen he, you can hear the confidence breaking in his voice as he said that. <laughs> yeah. I think you should screen share with us, mate, and prove that you don't have an eBay tab open right now. I, don't, mm, I, I do not. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but now I want to. I am. Look, the art is gorgeous, but that's magic, though. Has it ever it's really magic. had bad art? No. And this crossover stuff, is it just them trying to milk literally everyone dry? Like, you there, child who hasn't played Magic the Gathering. Now you can play with bluey cards. Fucking start playing Magic the Gathering, you little shit. (laughs) I like that idea in my head. You could be right. They could be onto something. So they've since 2000, they've really been picking up momentum and doing crossovers. And they seem to be crossing over into about anything you can think of, very much in a Fortnite fashion. Uh, Transformers, I'm loving it. I think it's cool. Like it definitely, you know, in the, the monetary side of things, it's awful. A big pit that, that you can fall <laughs> down. But like, as far as like a TCG that has a bunch of crossovers, like it's kind of cool. I dig that. Especially with like a fantasy setting with transformers. Fuck yeah. Get in there. Why not? <laughs> uh, but Nathan, you've been eating good this week, mate, mm. because battlefield 2042 decided to announce season three titled escalation. Are you going to be jumping into this? We've got a new specialist. We've got a new map. We've got some new weapons. Have you had a chance to, to look over it yet? I haven't had a chance to, but I'm absolutely going to. You call yourself one of the four players of the game. It's just been, <laughs> it's, it's been the content onslaught. That's been the only thing stopping me from yeah. going into this. And maybe a little bit of Call of Duty. Because I must say, Modern Warfare 2 is, is kicking a bit of ass this year. So it's it's really contending with my my scoped out Battlefield window of time that I dedicate each, hour, uh, each week to. About two weeks of battle, two hours of Battlefield a week. I'm going to download it again and be disappointed that I can't find a game, but I might be able to play. I might be able to play as the new specialist, which is Rashid Zane, who's an Egyptian soldier. 
Um, he has a healing ability, which grants him faster healing when killing enemies. And he also has an air burst launcher, which flushes enemies out of cover. Um, now they are moving back to a more class-based system, which I think a lot of battlefield players we're pretty happy with. So they're, they're filtering the, the specialists into classes and they're kind of making more generalized kits. Um, they're still going to have abilities and things that make them unique, but it's going back, yeah, more into the, the class side of things, which I think people will be pretty keen on. Um, there's a new map called Spearhead that's set in Sweden, um, which looks gorgeous, but most Battlefield maps do. Um, there is a new tank which transforms, transformers being a, a little bit of a theme. Ooh. It's got like a, it's got a mobility and a siege mode. So one does more damage. The other obviously can zip around a little bit quicker. looks very futuristic. Uh, then we've got a few new weapons. We've got a double-barreled shotgun. Um, we've got a semi-automatic long-barreled thing. Fucking, I don't know what that is. It looks very cool. A gun. And, and a rail gun because fucking why not? Because it's set in the future. Chuck a rail gun in there. It does. All of this looks insanely cool, and I very much do want to jump back into it. So I am going to give it a download. I'll see you in there, See mate. how we go. Yeah, go on then. Um. Santa Monica Studios is apparently working on a lot of different things, according to Jesus himself, Corey Barlog. Um, he was having a chat with the Los Angeles Times and said that the team was spread out on a lot of different things. That means fucking nothing. Let's, let's open it to the floor, Adam. Let's everybody here say something they think that they're working on. You go first. I'll go first. Yeah, um, something God of War related, oh, I would say, Ash. Oh, just don't. Fucking hurt yourself with that safe, safe option there, Christ! What like really a mobile game from uh, from Adam here? Yeah, I know. I, know. I want them to new, be working on. They're doing a new Gungrave Gore. <laughs> oh Jesus! If 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 we're going to be pushing studios to tie in with you know new multimedia, then we've got to bring out Twisted Metal because that's getting a Netflix series. Hey, hey! Don't forget, um, what was it? Yeah. The guy who did. The director of Ragnarok, like, directed the PS3 release of Twisted Metal anyway. There you go. There's your end. Excellent. Relationships there. Um, But, yeah, I don't know. I'd love them to be working on just a fresh new IP, but we all know it's probably in the God of War series. Maybe maybe they'll just fucking destroy every bit of goodwill they have when they announce that they're going to be, like, releasing DLC for Ragnarok that is exclusively on the blockchain. (laughs) (laughs) Can you imagine? It's a quick way to Please a no. quick way to tank something. I think maybe KV has a little bit of an insight to it because he found a an Easter egg where Kratos talks about his time in PlayStation All Stars Battle Royale. Yes, I reckon Santa Monica working on Battle Royale too. There you go. Oh, don't even don't oh. even joke. That was such a fantastic game. It. I don't care what anyone said. I'll get around that. Yeah. I didn't get any of the Smash kids to play it, so I just enjoyed it by myself with the AI. Do you remember when that Fuck game came Smash out? It came with two copies. It had a PS3 copy and a Vita copy. Yeah, yeah, man. I gave the PS3 copy to a mate, and I played it on Vita with him, and we had a great time. Dude, that, yeah. that cross-buy initiative was the best. Oh, so good. I miss those days. Generosity from companies. Game. <laughs> game was delicious. Another game that looks delicious that's now been delayed is Dead Island 2. The irony <laughs> yeah. of this game being delayed is fantastic. Surprise. I love how Surprise. this time... The headline, Dead Island 2 has been delayed. It just feels like it's on repeat now. Just... We can almost have a slug article in the back end of World Played and we just chuck in a new date every time I, it gets delayed. I did the, I did appreciate the press release and they were like, yeah, we know. <laughs> yeah. We get it. We're sorry. Yeah. We get it. 
They were, Honestly, they were pretty you, upfront you could, about you that. You could just like in reporting, you could like, Dead Island 2 has been delayed. And then the, the, the body of the article just says, yellow text. Or the, the yellow <laughs> card, whatever <laughs> the cyberpunk Bo- Bottom text. <laughs> yeah. I would take odds but, on them getting a, another delay. I'll say reckon? it now. Ooh. You reckon we're going to see yeah. one more? There we go. This will, this will be what Dying Light 2 was. Where it just started getting a lot of smaller of, delays. Yeah, it, at the very least it got delayed out of February because I don't think it would have survived February. Yeah. So I think they made the right choice. I don't yeah, think it'll survive April. April, <laughs> April 28th. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. I don't want to burn myself on Nathan's hot take, but I, uh, yeah, I could see it happening. Just you wait. And the last little tidbit we have is Multiverses is getting Marvin the Martian as a playable character, which is delightful. Yep. Uh, and a Game of Thrones map, which also looks pretty decent, but the maps in that game are fucking boring. Anyway. That, uh, that is it for the news. Nathan, you're chomping at the bit to tell us a little bit about 1899, am I correct? Yeah, look, there's very little I can really say because the mystery has to be absorbed of its own merit. So this is the 1899 has come out a week before you're listening to this. So it's been out for a week now. This is the follow-up series from the team that made Dark, which uh, me and Zach will happily say is Netflix's best series. If you haven't gotten around it, you definitely should. Uh, So this one is supposedly, I say supposedly, I'm only three episodes in, so I don't know what I've seen and what I've yet to see. says that it's supposedly set in 1899. I have questions about that. And in the vein of Lost, (laughs) another brilliant TV series, uh, we've effectively got a ship that's gone missing out at sea called the uh, Prometheus. And then a second ship is like this, you know, think of it like Titanic, they're passenger ships. The second passenger ship has uh, gone cruising by from the same uh, ship carrier and they've gotten coordinates and they've actually found this missing ship. Ship's been out for four months. It's like got no sign of life on it. It looks like it's been submerged, but yet it's fully above water. And uh, all the crew that were on there have disappeared. Uh also, all the crew members that are on the second ship have weird motivations for being there. There's been someone pulling the threads and giving them all kind of like a destined reason to be on the ship together and following that reason, uh, an inclination to not want to return back whence they've came from Europe. So there's a few little minor mysteries playing it here. Um, there's a mystery about like... Um, brain experimentation and uh, like psychoactive like therapy from the late 19th century so there's playing on a lot of like um, psychological thriller angles mystery upon mystery upon mystery we don't know if the characters we're following are perceiving reality because they were quite often going to like living dream states and that and there's like a supposedly nefarious gases that are living near the ship. And, you know, it starts, it veers heavily into lost territory if oh, they're crammed just, like the first three or four seasons of I can't stand it when there's an evil gas hanging around. Well, I don't know if you remember, but Lost had its, like, evil yeah, it had cloud smoke moving around. Yeah, 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 yeah. So it, it's riffing big time off of Lost. Um, do be aware that when you initially go to watch it, it's going to try and put English dub over this. This is a multinational cast, so the people on this ship, we've got you know people that speak Spanish, German, French, so on and so forth. Uh, you're immediately going to want to turn that dub off. There will be English speakers in here, but the point is, is everyone's, you know, there are a lot of different tongues that work on this ship in more ways than one. 
So what has you questioning the uh, time period of 1899? Have you seen like extras walking around with an Apple Watch or a Starbucks cup or something? There are date. I guess what I could say was there seemed to be iconography that hints towards events in the 20th century. Ah, somebody wearing Air Jordans. I get it. Yep. Yeah, that's that's as effective (laughs) as I'm going to put it. Yeah, that's a good way of looking at it. That's kind of neat. I could be I could be wrong on that. There's definitely a few red herrings, but it's like eight episodes. It's a real brain teaser. You won't be bored. So this is on Netflix, is it? Patience. Yeah, yeah, and it's going to require patience for subtitles, of course. Which did you mention? So it's made by the people that made Dark. Dark. Are they related? Do you know, or is it just the same production studio? No, it can't be related because they've got actors from Dark in this playing very different ah. characters. Okay. Right. Okay. You've uh, you've piqued my interest. I might. I, I've not watched Dark, but obviously I need to, as per the recommendations from both you and Zach. If you like psychological impressive. sci-fi thrillers, you're set. Like you won't get anything more indulgent than Dark. Indulgent. Yeah, I might have to give this a this a crack. the The setting has me intrigued, but uh, yeah, very interested to see what you think of the rest of it. Has uh, Has anyone else got any off topics? Watching, listening, anything? My favorite part about that was you asking if anybody else has something to talk about, and then you broke up for a second. Which <laughs> yeah, in your recording, out. it'll sound fine, but to us, where's anyone else got anything else off top? <laughs> like, well, okay, so I can I can edit that into post. So you know, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Mate, just reduce his yeah, bit rate do. down to like two. And make him sound like he's coming through on a Game Boy Color. Every like um, minute, I reduce his bit rate by one. <laughs> Every minute, it goes down. Um, my wife and I watched the shittest TV show on the face of the planet. That was a good time. Uh, and it was on. It was on Netflix as well. I wish it was called The Shittest Show on the Planet because then I would have been so much more involved. No, we decided just on a whim because we had nothing good to watch. We, we didn't feel like starting anything. So we watched a show on Netflix called Snowflake Mountain. Has anyone seen anything regarding this show? No. Is it, is it a K-drama? But that name makes me nervous. <laughs> so it's called Snowflake Mountain because the entire premise is that they take, I think, like 10, 20-something-year-olds that have yeah, got... No, I hate this already. Had <laughs> I hate everything this. <laughs> given to them. They're all rich, like, kids that have grown up and never had to, like, work or clean or do anything. I think the premise of the show is that they're lied to and told that they're going to go to a resort for like a couple of weeks, but they get dropped off in the middle of the American wilderness with these two hard-ass ex-military guys and go, fuck you, you're camping. (laughs) And like the first episode is them giving them all like wet bags, like for hiking and stuff and saying, right, I can see that you've all brought like four suitcases. You can keep whatever you fit in your wet bag and then the rest of the stuff will sort it out. So they all put their wet bags together and then these two guys set fire to their suitcases. <laughs> and there's like literally like girls with these massive nails going, I had my Louis Vuitton in there, shit. And what follows is basically rich white kid survivor where it's just like, okay, today's activity is digging a latrine. And so I was like, what's a latrine? It's like, it's the place where you shit. And they're like, what? I ain't pooping in no hole. <laughs> and yeah. I'm, I'm sold, honestly. It. I hate how entertaining it was. It was awful. It's like perfectly encapsulated American reality TV where like it cuts to talking heads where people are just like, I can't believe that today I had to skin a deer. I never thought I'd do that. The premise of the show, though, is that they're told, right, you're here and you hate it. But if you stay here, you will get $50,000. However, 
You can leave whenever you want, but every person who leaves, that's five grand out of the kitty. So some of them legit just go, you know what? F this, I'm going, see ya. And they take off and you're like, you don't even blame them because they have a horrible, horrible time. But then other ones are just like, I've never washed a dish in my life and the dishes here are all dirty. So maybe I should wash the dishes. And then like they wash the dishes and like the two guys who are running the camp come out and go, hey, good job, you washed the dishes. So we're actually going to cook your dinner tonight. And they're like, we did something and got rewarded. Oh my God. It's ridiculous. To go from Nathan talking about 1899. To I this, know. Yes. And it's, I've, I've got fucking whiplash. And it's on Netflix too. So just in case you want some absolute garbage, and I mean bottom barrel trash, you can always swerve away from 1899 and watch Snowflake Mountain. Yeah, I'm going to I'm gonna be going back and forth between them on Netflix what? just when I go downstairs right. after good, this good recording. Yeah, speak, which... Pay for, Which do I go pay with? Pay for two Netflix subscriptions and watch one picture in picture. <laughs> Good. <laughs> Supernatural, I definitely multilingual crime thriller that's like going to actually tickle your brain. All legitimate garbage. Like the equivalent of e-waste for your TV. Look, it depends what mood I'm in. I could I could swing either it's way. It's true. But uh, do we have any other off-topics, boys? Or are we going to wrap this girthy episode up? I was just going to say, speaking... Speaking of garbage, I was going to quickly say I, I randomly watched the Uncharted movie last week. I'm still oh, I still haven't seen it. Is it? it I mean, the source material is so. There's nothing specifically wrong about it. I think they just they made a movie and went, we're just going to call it Uncharted, but not necessarily have anything to do yeah. with Uncharted. I love the rating system you've used is eh out of 10. Eh. And it means like it's it's good, but it's not. I guess that's the easiest way to explain. Let's that. be honest. There's yeah. a lot of movies out there that are very clearly eh because they're just entertaining. Like you can live with it, you can live without it. You're not going to miss much. I'm not rushing to it, but it's it's clearly not as good an adaptation as the the Sonic movie. No, not right. even close. Or the Monster oh, Hunter movie. Few few things oh, are Monster, as good oh, as the don't Sonic movie. Get me started films. on Monster Hunter. Jesus. <laughs> no, get me started on Monster Hunter. No, <laughs> I love I, I love that movie so much. It is so terrible, but I love it because of it. It just ends. It just that, ends. It does just Paul end. Paul W.S. Anderson, that director, Paul W.S. Anderson, I think he could make a great Gungrave movie. That's my pitch <laughs> for the week. <laughs> Except it's going to be his wife in the in the role. Exactly. Of, yeah, Doesn't great. that sound yeah. phenomenal? You joke, but I bet you that the soundtrack for that film would slap. Exactly. <laughs> and I'm not joking. <laughs> I don't know why you think I'm joking. <laughs> no, I'm scared that you're not. No, no, no. I'm going to pitch this to him. Old Mila Jovovich as uh, Mr. Gungrave. I think that's the perfect place to end it. <laughs> yep. For good, we're gonna we're cancelling the podcast on that. But uh, look, if you want to jump in and read any of our wonderful content, you can do so over at www.well-played.com.au. Uh, until next week, when our wonderful Zach will return. See you later. Bye bye. Bye bye. bye. bye.